This is Upstate's HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen here with you. Well, despite our best efforts, the fact remains that there continues to be a stigma associated with psychiatric illness and treatment. So what if your child is in need of a mental health consultation or treatment? What do you need to know to prepare your child and yourself for such a visit? Here with more on this is Dr. James Deemer. He's Assistant Professor of Psychiatry specializing in child and adolescent psychiatry, and he's the director of the Child Psychiatry Fellowship at Upstate Medical University. Welcome, Dr. Deemer. Thanks so much for coming in. Well, thank you for inviting me. So, I mean, it must be kind of a, a scary proposition for both when a parent recognizes that there's a need for their child of any age to have a psychiatric evaluation or some kind of mental health consultation and potentially therapy. Tell us, what are the overriding or kind of universal principles that should cross the parent's mind in terms of preparing a child for that kind of an event? Yeah, so I think one of the things that a parent should do is take a deep breath and kind of pause and reflect as the as to the emotions that uh, the proposition of having to refer your child for mental health care uh, might bring forth within your, within yourself as a parent. Um, I, I think um, most of us, if we are bringing our child for an ear infection or strep throat or something, um, we see it as, um, you know, there's, there's very little emotion other than concern. Or uh, even a sense of responsibility for that event. Exactly. Um, however, um, as you mentioned, with the stereotype with, with mental health issues, there continues to be uh, a feeling in, in most parents that in some way they failed their child or in some way they're responsible for their child's suffering, which um, couldn't be further from the truth. But in, it, beyond that, I mean, I, gr I grant you that's crucial, and, and obviously somehow I think your message is they shouldn't see it that way. Yes. Um, how then, though, to approach the child? Now, obviously, it's going to be developmentally determined. You're not going to deal with a two-year-old or a four-year-old the same you might a teenager in prep for something like this. But are there some kind of overarching principles? Yeah, so I think honesty uh, with your child, um, you know, uh, verbalizing that you have concern um, about whether it be your child's uh, difficulty sleeping or... Um, uh, issues with sadness or tearfulness. Um, and or even aggressive behavior. Exactly. And as the parent, just owning that and saying, I have concerns about this behavior and I would like for us to see someone so that we can get help as a family to try to, to uh, make things, make your life better and improve the quality of your life. So the notion of doing it as a, as a collaboration or a team is an important underlying principle here in terms of the communication. Definitely, because I think most children, um, when they're approached with the idea of having to see someone uh, for mental health concerns, most children automatically um, feel um, like they're being punished or blame themselves in some way. And uh, it's very difficult when um, a child feels that way to convince them to go in for help. They, they more or less want to avoid that. Um, they feel as if they're going in to be called you know, called forward, um, and in a way, um, all of their sins or, or mistakes are going to be put out in, in, in a group setting, and everyone's going to judge them in a negative way. So I think it's, it's critical that when it's approached initially, that it be approached as um, uh, trying to learn ways to be helpful as, as a family, and for the adult to, um, to role model their own concern and um, role model their own vulnerability in that way and to normalize the fact that um, 
that everyone at different times in their life sometimes needs someone to talk to about their feelings or someone to um, to get new ideas as to how to make safer choices. So you want to kind of set those positive expectations and even maybe suggest that um, we're going to see a doctor for feelings or this type of doctor talks to families to help solve problems so everyone will feel better, that kind of thing. Exactly, and you can even oftentimes um, see your primary care provider first, whether it be your, your pediatrician or family practice doc, and um, that person's often familiar to the entire family, and um, start the conversation there um, in, with, with the family practice doc, facilitating um, the fact that they do have a concern, and that um, just as they're a doctor who cares for children, that he or she knows other doctors who care for children in different ways, who have issues with uh, needing help uh, dealing with feelings that get too big, or um, anxiety that, um, that, um, that the youth is having trouble managing, and then they can also emphasize the fact that this doctor isn't going to give shots. And, and when, they go to, when the child goes to this doctor, all they need to do is talk, play, and listen, mm -hmm. and which are things that most children find to be um, safe and, and familiar. How about timing? <clears throat> How soon before an appointment? In other words, it strikes me, just kind of common sense-wise, you might not want to set up a lot of anticipatory anxiety months before, for example. So what, what do you recommend as far as the timing? Yeah, a lot of that depends upon knowing your, your child and their individual temperament. There are some kids that, uh, if you have an anxiety disorder, um, some kids will ruminate on the idea that they'll count down uh, and, and get this anticipate, anticipatory anxiety that the appointment is going to occur at a different time. Um, so those, those kids, sometimes giving them less forewarning can be helpful. Um, there are other kids that would prefer to have lots of time to prepare and to talk about it and, um, you know, kind of process the idea in their own way. So I think looking, knowing your individual child as to how he or she does with, with regards to um, uh, timing of, of waiting for things um, is, is a good general principle. And underlying all of this really is this idea of honesty being the best policy. I mean, honest, you're putting a positive spin on it, but that you're not hiding, you're not saying we're going out for lunch and then they end up showing up at a, uh, you know, a psychiatric appointment. Oh, for sure. Um, and a lot of it is going to depend upon the nature of the child's presenting uh, condition. So in child psychiatry, there's generally two main categories of conditions that we treat. One are called externalizing conditions. Those are conditions like ADHD or issues with aggression. And the other are internalizing conditions. Those are conditions with sadness or anxiety. So, Can I just stop you there for one sec? So when you say externalizing, it means that their, that their behavior, that the way they express this problematic behavior is by acting out in some way, as opposed to the internalizing type where they, they express this unhappiness or this problem by acting within or harm self-harm in a sense, or feeling sad or repressing their anger, that kind of thing. Right. So with externalizing conditions, people around the youth are more likely to be aware of the impairment. With internalizing conditions, really when push comes to shove, it's the youth who really know, only knows authentically how he or she is feeling inside. Although, of course, other people around them might notice changes in someone who's depressed or anxious. But internally, the, the youth senses that something is, is off and, and, and senses that they need help in some way. So with, you started to make a point, though, about those two um, types of problems. How does that impact? 
Yeah. So when you're, if you're preparing your child to get help with, with an externalizing condition, they're, they're less likely to have insight into the fact that there's a problem to begin with, and there might be a little bit more resistance. Um, so you might need to just anticipate that and um, kind of just validate the, the child's concerns. Um, so if they're, if they're kind of saying, I'm not doing that, I, I refuse to go, you know, you can say, you know, I understand that you're upset and that you don't want to go to this appointment. However, um, we're concerned about your school performance or we're concerned about the choices you're making. And out of this concern and love that we have for you, we want to take you to see someone who can help us um, figure things out. And all you need to do at the appointment is just come. And if you're uncomfortable talking, you can just play or just listen the first appointment. So you lower the expectations for that child. Whereas with an internalizing condition in some way, not always, but oftentimes the youth will um, either they'll be tearful or they'll um, be talking, uh, have negative self-regard, different things that the youth will, will say to the parent that will better lend itself to saying, you know, you did mention that you're struggling with, with these feelings. I would like to, for us to go and get help. And the youth would be more likely to, you know, to be willing to get help because they're more aware of the distress. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air. I'm Linda Cohen along with child and adolescent psychiatrist Dr. James Deemer, and we're talking about how to prepare your child for a mental health appointment. Um, Age-wise, let's do this kind of briefly because I, I have another series of things I wanted to ask, but obviously it's different as to how you'd approach a two-year-old or a four-year-old or a five- or a seven-year-old and then a teenager. So just give us kind of an overview as to developmentally how you might handle these situations. Sure. Yeah, so, so generally the, the role of a parent um, at different stages of development tends to, tends to be different. Um, so with a younger child, the role of a parent uh, tends to be more of a comforter, um, whereas the, the next step, um, when ch children get a little bit older, the parent tends to be more of a teacher and then more of a coach where you just reemphasize different skills. And then during adolescence, more of a supporter. So, so generally with a younger child, when you're um, encouraging your child to get help, some of it's going to, your main approach is going to parallel, you know, what your role would be in any developmental stage. So for a much younger child, when they're going somewhere new, they're going to um, meet someone who they're not familiar with, you want to provide more comfort and just kind of contain some of those feelings. When a child gets a little bit older, you, you, you're going to teach more. You're going to say, this is a special kind of doctor who helps children with feelings. They're not going to give shots. Here's what's going to happen at the appointment. You give them some sense of predictability. There are going to be toys there. Um, maybe um, prior to the appointment, you can speak to the provider. And I encourage children to bring their own familiar toys, um, that kind of a thing. And then during adolescence, um, where the task is for the teen is going to be more autonomous, you're going to more create a, um, more of a conversation um, where you're going to want to listen to, to the teen's concerns. There might be some pushback as to not wanting to, going, not wanting to go. You're going to want to validate those concerns, and then you're going to want to just encourage them to try it. And, and most of the time, um, a, a skilled clinician will find a way to be attuned to that teen's... Uh, resistance. The, yes, and we'll find a way to work with that resistance and very slowly um, make the child feel safe in, in session, and, in, and, and then the teen um, will, will slowly, at their own pace, um, buy in to the idea of, of getting, getting therapy. So basically, um, 
Can you help us understand, I think, for the benefit of our listeners, what they might expect if it were they bringing their child of any age in for, I mean, how are these appointments structured? What what could they expect to, to see or feel in those environments so that they could then also be better prepared to help their child? Yes. Yeah, so one of the... One of the principles that I think is, is critical in child psychiatry is, is the importance of assessment and understanding. So I, I would say as a parent bringing your, your child into an appointment, don't be in a hurry for that provider to put a label on your child. Um, t- uh, give it a little bit of time and uh, respect the assessment process. And so the assessment process um, can be done in several different ways depending upon the clinician who you see. Some will break the assessment up to three or four sessions where the first session might be just with the adults, where um, the uh, caregiver and, and uh, their significant other perhaps will be invited in um, without the child to, um, to tell their story, to tell their concerns. Um, and then during that time, the, the uh, clinician might gain more information about the specifics of the child and might be able to give more specific guidance as to how to um, encourage the child to come for the next session. And then there might be a session where the clinician observes the parent and child together. And then typically there's a last session where feedback is given regarding how the clinician understands the child's difficulties and what an appropriate biopsychosocial treatment plan is, meaning there's going to be there could be medication, there's going to be social modification, and they're going to, there's going to be some form of psychotherapy, kind of a well-balanced approach. Um, sometimes, and oftentimes in clinics or other settings, you'll get a 90-minute initial appointment, and it'll be broken up into four points or four sections where they'll observe the parent and child together. They'll meet alone with the child, alone with the caregiver, and then together again to kind of share some initial impressions and come up with a plan. But my, um, the thing that I, I really want parents to know is to, is to take your time and, um, and allow the assessment uh, process to occur so that it's done effectively. And I guess the point is that they can be reassured that whoever they do go to is going to be keenly aware of some of these issues that you mentioned, the stigma, the resistance, and the or the fear that might occur in both the parent and the child, and that clearly they'll be accommodating to those things. And it's really not a scary thing. It should be something that is seen, as you mentioned, a positive collaborative thing where everyone is going to hopefully feel better as a result. Definitely, and I, and I think um, uh, expectancy, the expectation that, that the child will, will get better um, and that the supports will be helpful and um, just trusting in the resilience of the child. And I can't tell you the number of children who I see who um, just with, with time and with supports um, and with some, some supports from school and home um, are able to do quite nicely. And so there, there should be a sense of expectancy that your child um, will improve. I think that's great advice, very helpful and hopeful. My guest has been Dr. James Demers, Assistant Professor of Psychiatry specializing in child and adolescent psychiatry. He's also the director of the Child Psychiatry Fellowship Program at Upstate Medical University. I'm Linda Cohen, and you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air.